in an election that will determine the fate of the entire universe. There's only one podcast holding politicians accountable. Scott Morrison, Anthony Albanese. Who will lose? Find out on The Chaser Report, Election Edition. Hello and welcome to the election edition of The Chaser Report. It is Monday the 2nd of May, 19 days until the election. I'm Dom Knight. Hello, Charles Firth. Yes, and astounding news today. What's happened? Which is over the weekend, Labor announced a policy. Are you sure? Yes, they've got a policy. I just thought there was like Kevin Rudd and Paul Mm. Keating looking old and weird in Rudd's beard. And Russell Crowe doing an ad for Labor and stuff like that. No, but there's an actual real-life policy they're going to start buying up people's houses or something. Really? Yeah. Like, so the whole idea is if you want to buy a house, mm. then you've got to raise 2% deposit and then the bank of mum and dad will be government owned. Hang on. It'll, so Albo's now my dad. Yeah. Is, Albo's, that, is that what it is? Yeah, that's right. He's playing the bank of mum and dad and the government will buy half your house and then you buy the other half of the house. And Right. Yeah. So the government owns part of my house and yeah. this helps me... It's basically communism. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's, but, you know, it's communism where house prices will still keep going up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I don't know about you, but... If you've got the government starting to buy up houses, mm. doesn't that won't they just mean that everything costs twice as much as before? Well, but now apparently that- it doesn't matter if you have an idea that causes inflation. That's, oh, okay. That's absolutely fine. Oh, all right. But I guess the good point about this mm. is that as the boomers die off, their yes. houses will go to the government. Well, this is actually. I mean, this is this is socialism, isn't it? Like we're going to end up with the go- the government holding the bag on the world's biggest. Sp- oh, oh, yeah. I see. Creeping socialism. Brown yes. Bishop's been warning us for years. Yes. Right. So it's true. And you know how a few months ago they said that Anthony Albanese was a communist? Mm. It's true. That's why like, they didn't mention any policy until mm. the weekend where they basically announced revolution. Is that yes. what's going on? And this is why Labor Party's been so soft on China <gasps> because China's communist as well. China will own your house as well. Yes. I, well, I think ultimately that's that's what we're looking down the barrel of. Oh, this thank is goodness Scott Morrison's going to win the election. <laughs> On today's show, I've got uh, a few tasty updates from the weekend, Charles. Oh, and um, we're talking to Jan Fran, who managed to get an interview with Michael Toke last week. Yeah, that was very impressive journalism. Unfortunately, she also had to talk to Kevin Rudd. Oh, I'm so sorry for her. Let's have the opposite of that, which is Charles's daily news wrap. Welcome to The Wrap for Monday, the 2nd of May. After three weeks of arduous campaigning, the polls are exactly the same as they were three years ago. This morning's news poll stuck at 53-47 to Labor on a two-party preferred basis. The last time Labor was this far ahead was in 2019 in the lead-up to its resounding victory, delivering the first term of a shortened plebiscite government. Albanese headed to Perth to officially launch his campaign and announced that the government would be going halves with first home buyers in their house. That's right, the bank of mum and dad will now be government-owned, a first step in the inevitable march towards an Albanese communist government. Housing Minister Michael Sukar slammed the proposal, saying that Australians would prefer to own their own homes outright. Sukar owns two homes, so perhaps he can give one to somebody else if he's so worried about people not being able to own their own homes. Meanwhile, Russell Crowe has fallen on tough times, so much so that he's been forced to do voiceover work just to make ends meet. 
Australia, we can do better. All it takes is a better government with better plans. And finally, COVID is now the leading cause of death in Australia. Luckily, that pandemic is over, otherwise we'd all be in a panic. That's the wrap for Monday the 2nd of May. We'll be back in a sec. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Chaser Report. Now, Charles, it was a big weekend of news. Let's kick it off with a new segment we call... Steve's dropping. Oh, that's good. I like that. Yes, the most important figure in this campaign, of course, the <laughs> doomed Liberal candidate for Warringah, Catherine Deves. Now, she went to... Do you get the feeling that... The, the Libs ran it really hard in the first half, thinking, we're on to a winner, this is a cultural war, and now they're backing away going, oh, no, don't talk about Catherine Deves. <laughs> yes. They wanted to talk about trans athletes. Instead, everyone's talking about Catherine Deves. Mm. So she made a big mistake, mm. um, which was leaving hiding um, <laughs> to go to a Liberal campaign rally. Always a mistake yeah, for When a, running for, for office. Yes. I mean, she should have just done the running bit, really, shouldn't yeah. she? <laughs> um, yes, which everyone's favourite crusader for the right of idiots to vilify trans athletes was chased by journos. And this is the thing. So the problem was it was a media event. They were shoving cameras in her face. And look, she didn't have, have a lot to say. She actually said nothing for a very long period of time. What? So wait, hang, 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 hang. Why was she doing a media event if she didn't want to appear in front of the media? Oh, I think it was a broader event. And so oh, she was right. hoping to sneak in. Right. And then the press pack immediately caught. <laughs> like it was like a wounded gazelle <laughs> and they swooped. And I want to pay tribute to one particularly sassy journal. And I cut mm. this together from a longer clip that was published by SBS's Nazine Razik. Have a listen to this attitude from the journal. I love it. Do you stand by your comments that you've made in recent times and in the past? And are you ashamed of your comments and do you stand by them, Miss That's some great kindergarten teacher vibes there. That's great. But the other mysterious thing about that event was that the um, they were playing ACDC's Thunderstruck mm. at a Liberal Party event. I'm more like Dumbstruck, I would think, in Dave's case. <laughs> well, I think actually, you know, um, the ACDC, like, didn't weren't they? Didn't they pioneer sort of? Slippery, non-binary yeah. forms of masculinity. You can be AC or DC. Y- yeah, exactly. Unless Catherine Davis is involved. The other big news from the weekend, news poll came out, and mm. Scott Morrison still, to the extent that you believe polls, mm. uh, he's still in trouble, 53 to 47, mm. two-party preferred. But even worse mm. for Morrison. Now, this hasn't been reported much widely because it was in the Daily Mail. Mm. Uh, but Alan Jones has mm. come out against Morrison. What? I know. It's astonishing. Um, he was the only commentator who tipped Morrison last time and everyone thought he was being ridiculous as usual. Yeah. But he was right. Have a listen to what he had to say. And I'm not going to do the impression because I'm not Danny Litch. But he told the Daily Mail, Morrison is the handbrake. 
The electorate hate him. His own cabinet doesn't like him. The party knew it, but it was too late to make a change. To keep government, he's got to hold every seat that he's got and win two more. He's got no hope. Said Alan Jones, of all things. That's shifting with the wind, isn't it? Like, <laughs> that, he's, he's good at reading the wind, that Alan Jones. Yeah, it makes me think um, Albo does have a chance. and mm. Particularly the line he used on Albo when they asked whether he was a bit too obscure and no one knew him. Mm. <laughs> Albo has been to every pub in Australia. <laughs> Well, that'll do it. That's that's enough. So it's a big mm. a big bit of breaking news for the Daily Mail. The most amazing thing is that the Daily Telegraph didn't cover it first, and they just stole it. Yeah, that's the weirdest thing that I've ever heard about the Daily Mail. But but um, Dom, who does Alan? Does he still have that YouTube? channel? Yeah, he just brought it back. That's right, why okay. he had to talk to the Daily Mail because he can't make comments <laughs> on his own show. No one will report. No one will report because because didn't he like when he had that show when he launched on YouTube at the mm. end of last year. We covered it, and I am absolutely certain that it rated in the hundreds, didn't it? It also broke. The streaming platform broke, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, look, if you want Alan Jones, he's there, Mm. but I would rather read him in the Daily Mail, to be honest. Mm. But you can tell Morrison's getting a bit worried about this election. Mm. Um, His Instagram over the weekend, his post was, it's nice to have a night at home, so back on familiar themes. So curry it is, Sri Lankan tamarind eggplant and okra curry and a classic chicken korma. And then he writes, and this is what makes me think he's rattled, Strong curry, strong, strong economy, stronger future. He's now parodying himself, Charles. Oh, dear. I mean, mind you, it is, I, like, I don't know, I think it was a good line. I, I, frankly, like, it, it swung me. The, the only thing that then swung me back was, um, did you see the picture that he posted? Yeah. Yeah, so, the, but the, he forgot to cook the chicken. The, the chi- uh, have you seen it? The, the chicken is uncooked. Yeah, but Charles, that would he's require gonna, foresaw, forethought and preparation. He's going to kill his family with that curry. Oh, can you imagine the thought of him coming back home full time? Just going oh, out? man. So he's worried, I think, Morrison. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. someone who is um, ridiculously optimistic is Josh Frydenberg, the treasurer. He's in Kuyong. Monique Ryan is looking very, very good in that seat, apparently. Mm. You were saying before we were recording, she's a genuine chance of, of knocking him off. And yeah. this is the potential next Liberal leader. Well, this is the thing. So the problem that Josh Frydenberg faces is that, as I understand it, pretty much no one in that seat is preferencing him, right? So right. if he slips too much below 50% in the primary vote, he loses. And the polls apparently have him swinging between about 41 and 43% primary vote. That is not enough for him to win. So he could be in trouble, Charles, but mm. he brought out his secret weapon on what? the weekend at his campaign launch. What? What? Have a listen to this guy. This is a guy on mm. the stage mm. in a Liberal Party Frydenberg T-shirt. Mm. I don't quite know how he, he managed to get up there, but this is what he did to entertain the crowds, and I think it is brilliant. You know, Liberals will win because of Josh, but um, I'll, I'll just finish off with a bird call too. Kookaburra. Uh, <laughs> And a soft crested copper too. Which is also the sound Frydenberg made when he saw the poll numbers. <laughs> but of course, the big event, as we mentioned in the intro, was um, the Labor campaign launch. They went all the way to Perth mm. uh, and then all came back again on the mm. red eye. Um, but as you mentioned, yeah, they got Russell Crowe mm. yes. for the ad, like a bit of a coup. They got Rusty to voice it. But i got to say, I took issue with this line that he uh, very deep-voicedly uh, said in the ad. Australia, we can do better. All it takes is a better government with better plans. 
Too many people are working multiple jobs just to keep their heads above water. We can do better than that. Russell Crowe is not an Australian. He has taken a job, job from a yes. deep-voiced Australian, such as yourself, yes, Charles. Yes, I could have done you that. You could have done that. Yes. Some Kiwis coming in and it's stealing Aussie jobs. jobs. What are you doing, Albo? You're a joke. Get Australian deep-voiced voiceover us. Charles, you can do that. I, I can do that. And I won't steal jobs from hard-working Australians. So in summary, fuck all happened this weekend. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Election news you can't trust. The Chaser Report. It's time to welcome back on the podcast Jan Fran. And she's got an election podcast out. It's called Jan Fran Has Issues and it's part of our good friend Dan Illich's Irrational Fear podcast. Hello, Jan. Welcome back. Hello, Dom. Hello, Charles. Thanks for having me. Hello. Have you been enjoying this uh, this scintillating piece of democracy over the past few weeks, Jan? You know what? I'm not going to lie. Elections are like my Olympics. Like this is this is what I nerd out. It's I find them just really exciting. So I have been following it pretty closely and exasperated most of the time. Have, yeah. Have, have you it, been surprised by how little has happened? Like yes, usually, it's true. Usually elections sort of yeah, it's this content feed that just keeps giving. But I sort of I you know have to write a sort of election wrap each morning. And I sort of go, what happened in the last 24 hours? I don't know. (laughs) The polls remain the same. Like, like everything's just the same as it was yesterday. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there is a fair bit going on. I I do feel like sometimes the media, I know I hate calling the media the media because, like, hello, we are the media Mm. and it's not a homogenous entity and, like, I'm pretending like I'm not part of it. But I think there tends to be a focus on um, the personalities, on the polling, on speculation, on, you know, those kind of things. And Anthony Albanese's had COVID. He was out for a week. We didn't see him. We saw his doggo. Um, Which was, and, impre- you know, I thought that was great. A great strategy from mm, Albo. Get mm. the doggo front and centre. Yeah, take him on the campaign trail, mate. Mm. Let him launch the Labor Party's campaign. Um, but I think I, there's... I think there's a lot of issues. I really do. Um, and I, whether or not they're getting the coverage that they deserve, that's another question. But it feels like a big election to me. But maybe that's because I am, like, trying to, like, uh, invest in the issues deliberately and not the personalities. No, you reckon, I reckon I know the reason why you're saying that is because you're yeah. a woman. You're a woman. The, pol- the polls show that men basically have not changed their vote at all since the last election. Like the, the, Scott, Scott Morrison has exactly the same support amongst men as he really? had three years ago, yeah. But women are totally have totally changed their opinion on Scott Morrison. They're Is listening it, I and put engaging. It to you, you are just a woman, and therefore you're saying that there's something interesting happening. Well, you know what it's it just is a about woman's women. perspective. Well, you know, you know, us women, Charles, we're we're <laughs> we're thinkers. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I assume yeah. the yeah. men were on board. No, no, I know what you mean. As soon as he went <laughs> to one man. Bunnings, that was it. The men yeah. of Australia were like, yep, yeah. that's our guy. <laughs> yeah. Don't care what he does from here. <laughs> yeah, he didn't exactly sway the women by washing hair. Mm. You know, I think he was trying to appeal to the women by doing a bit of oh, hair yeah. washing. Yeah. And it went a bit it went a bit sideways. It's like, please don't touch my hair or anyone <laughs> else's hair. So what issues do you think are cutting through most? Like what are the things that you reckon are actually driving this potential Labor victory? I know we shouldn't say that. Until it's real, yeah. but you know it's looking pretty positive for Albo. Uh, yeah, I'm so like wary about polling. I, I I genuinely am, but you're right. He's um on a two party preferred basis. Labor's doing um quite well. I think the main issue that's cutting through is cost of living because it's just so ubiquitous. It, it's coming at all of us in so many different ways. There's rising interest rates. There's the cost of petrol that's spiked. There's the cost of, you know, groceries and everyday household items that are going to affect everyone. Doesn't matter where you live or who you are or what your situation is. Um, there's also the um, rising cost of housing, not just house prices, but also rents. All of this stuff is kind of coalescing at the one time. Um, and so I think, you know, regardless of who you are and what kind of position you're in, there will be people who are immune from it. They're people that mm. tend to have uh, more money than others. But everyone's feeling the, the pinch here. Mm. I had a friend complaining about the price of lamb the other day. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard a complaint about the price of groceries what, what, maybe ever. In why a doesn't she just buy a house, Jan? Why doesn't she just do what the PM suggests? And maybe more than one. Mm. I mean, that's such a good question, Dom. Why don't these people who are earning uh, low sums of money mm. just Get out there and buy houses. It's that simple. I'll, I'll tell you what has plummeted in price over the last three years, which is the price of government ministers. Like, <laughs> from what I'm hearing, you can get them at a real discount nowadays. Like, you know, access to Angus Taylor's office, uh, Matt Canavan. It's really mm-hmm. cheap. Really Alan cheap. Tudge. Alan Tudge. Yep. And it's good value. It's really good value. I got to say, Alan Tudge would be an offer that would be fairly easy to refuse. <laughs> Do you want some Tudge? No, yeah. no, thanks. Anyway, I'm trying to give up. Isn't that really, really expensive to, <laughs> to sort of interact with Alan Tudge? Like, That's true, actually. Oh no, well, I suppose it's good. Yeah, it depends for, ta- for taxpayers. Okay. So tell us about a few of the people you've been interviewing, because at the start of the campaign, you came out with this interview with Michael Toke, which was um, a- an amazing piece of audio. I was just li- listening to it earlier today, and gosh, he seems like a nice bloke. Yeah, I think, I mean, he does seem like a nice bloke. He's, um, so for those that don't know, he's the um, guy who was running for the seat of Cook in 2007 against Morrison, and he claims that Morrison sort of used his race and heritage against him to undermine him in the seat of Cook. Toki's Lebanese, he's Lebanese Maronite, which happens to be the same community that I'm from. So I had a particular interest in kind of reaching out to him and wanting to chat to him. And, you know, when you're Lebanese, you kind of um, lean on the good old village family connections and you employ a bit of passive aggressive guilt and it just works every time. So I thought I just I'll reach out to him um, and I'll just, you know, introduce myself. So, hey, this is who I am. Do you want to have a chat? And surprisingly enough, he kind of wrote back pretty instantly and was like, yeah, he's like, I'm feeling a lot of calls from a lot of journos. He's like, but you're one of the ones that I wanted to speak to. So that was nice. Um, so yeah, had him on the on the podcast, and I sort of had him in the back of my mind actually because I was I've been meaning to write a book, <laughs> which I haven't done yet. Um, but I did take money, so oh, good. there's that. <laughs> yeah, um, which is sort of about growing up Lebanese in the shadow of the Cronulla riots. Uh, so he was a, a person that I was interested in speaking to for that book because what happened in the seat of Cook happened two years after the Cronulla riots. Mm. 
and, you know, the claims that his heritage and Arabness was used against him by the man who's now Prime Minister, again, all of these allegations, um, was very interesting to me. So, yeah, I reached, I reached out to him for a number of reasons and we ended up having a very long chat, which got condensed down to 20 minutes. Um, and he was pretty forthright about how it all went down and how fucked it was and how his heritage was used against him and stood by all of his previous statements, basically. Is he still a member of the Liberal Party? That's a good question. You know what? He, he might have told me that he is, maybe a particular branch. Mm. But I, I I mean, don't quote me on that, but he certainly I don't think has any a, uh, aspirations to get back into politics. <laughs> well, there may be a vacancy <laughs> at all. I think he's done. <laughs> in, in, in a month's time, they might need to pre-select yes, someone to run in Cook. It's but, true. I mean, Lebanese Maronites. Yeah, that would be perfect for that seat. Lebanese Maronites, Jan, <laughs> famously not Muslim, right? And this is the, the weird <laughs> thing about that whole story. Oh, my God. Do you want to know actually the weirdest thing? We're getting a little bit into the weeds here, but that was the funniest thing to me was hearing the Prime Minister say that um, or, you know, the allegations that uh, Scott Morrison said that Toke is maybe a Muslim or actually a Muslim. That was one of the allegations in the Saturday paper. Anyone who's, first of all, you know how sometimes it's racist to be like if you see an Asian person and then you're like, oh, do you know my friend Steve who's also Asian? Mm. And you're like, don't do that. That's a bit racist. Every time someone says to me, you know, oh, are you Lebanese Maronite? Do you know my friend George from Granville? And I'm like, come on, mate, that's not a cool thing to say to a Lebanese person. But, yes, I do know you. It's like if you're Lebanese Maronite, I will know your mother. Mm. Like that is just a fact. And it's because the community is so intertwined um, and actually quite a close-knit community that you're able to trace where people come from in the old country, what religion they are, usually what kind of like old country political affiliations they may or may not have. Anyway, long story short, Tokes come from a village called Pshare in Lebanon. And Pshare, I would wager a bet, has more churches than it has people. Like you cannot swing a cat in this village without hitting a church. Impossible. It is the most churchiest village in all of Lebanon. So <laughs> for, for a toke to be called a Muslim is like, wow, it could it not be further from the truth. But you have to understand the nuances of the community to get that. And obviously the person allegedly making those statements it was, it was not about nuance. Yeah. No, I mean, no. aren't we all maybe Muslims? I mean, I might be. <laughs> yeah. I might. You can't say I'm not for, definitely not. The Firths, from, <laughs> from Northern England, the notorious <laughs> Muslims. <laughs> so you had Michael Toke. That's a fascinating interview. And then this time, you've got a prime minister. Kevin Rudd is is uh, is on the pod talking about foreign policy. Jan, how many hours was the interview? Uh, how many hours did you record? <laughs> You know, the interview with Michael Toke was actually longer than the interview with Kevin Rudd because we went in prepared and, you know, because it's me and Dan Illich and I said to Dan, you are the traffic cop, you jump in because Kev, he, I mean, he knows his shit and it's it's China and the United States and the relationship between those two countries. So he can, you know, he mm. can he can talk forever about that. But, no, he was, he was very good. Well, um, what, what does he think about the Solomon Islands thing? Uh, I think he thinks that it's um, pretty messed up that the deal happened. Mm. But, you know, of course he would say that. He's a he's a Labor Prime Minister. I don't think he's going to go, you know what? <laughs> Full credit fine. to Morrison. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because I, I, I had dinner with a couple of DFAT bureaucrats um, a couple of months ago just, mm. and they were complaining about how – so Julie Bishop used to be the Foreign Minister 
And she knew the names of everyone. Like, she'd get off the plane and she'd know who the foreign minister was for whichever island they were on and mm. who the prime minister was and how it all worked. She was the Maronite Christian of her foreign yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and But she knew, for all her faults, she knew the realm, right? Like, and, and, you know, it really matters in those, in those places. But um, the, the current woman, what's her name? Um, Maurice Payne. Maurice Payne, yeah. She, she doesn't. She, she doesn't know the names even after she's got off the plane. And, and yeah. apparently that's, that's a huge thing. And, and that's why I thought maybe Rudd might have a perspective on that because everyone in DFAT seemed to know that Maurice Payne was just not up to it. I suspect Rudd knows the names still <laughs> and, and <laughs> lobbies them more regularly just yeah. in case yeah. he needs to. Well, I mean, it's very conspicuous that they didn't send Maurice Payne to the Solomons once word of this deal kind of came about because it sort of blindsided everybody, mm. right? Um, you know, the people in Canberra were like, oh, shit, this deal might be happening. It's a draft. I don't know if it's going to be signed. Apparently it allows for Chinese military presence some 2,000 Ks off the Australian coast. Mm. That's not great. Who do we send? They send Zed Sezelja, who is the minister for the Pacific Shore, but he does seem like a step down from mm. Maurice Payne, who's the foreign minister. Like, if you thought this was a massive issue, you'd go yourself, wouldn't you? Yeah, like, you're not you know. you're not sending your A team; you're sending your Z, Z team. team. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Um, and so I think you know he he obviously had commentary to make about that. And Albanese's been out saying you know if it was Labor, Albanese would have gone himself, or he would have at least sent. Penny Wong or someone who was Or like Kevin Rudd would have been ready to serve, I suspect, <laughs> to go. Um, who does he think will win the war, the US or China? Oh, will I Australia think he lose think in a, either scenario? Yeah, 100%. It's like if there's a war between China and the US, we're all fucked. We've all lost. Let's just say that. That's why his book's called The Avoidable War, not here to plug it, but... You know, it's about how to not have a war mm. between the US and China. You know, the, the one thing that I've kind of um, took away from his chat was like generally for the most part, both the coalition and Labor tend to be on the same page with this. Like they're both spending big on defence. They both understand the importance of China regionally and diplomatically and economically to Australia. Um, I think they're, they're both sort of very much aware of, you know, where, where Australia is in our alliances. It's just that one side tends to just run its mouth a little bit more than the other side, <laughs> a.k.a. Peter Dutton saying that we should be prepping for war. Uh, not sure which war exactly. Um, I think whereas it's I World think World War II, we... based on his media clips. <laughs> He's very <laughs> concerned about the 1930s, Jan. <laughs> yeah, he is. Um Let's hope he's not talking about World War Three, which is, you know, stoking the flames there by kind of running your mouth out about it. But I think that was one of the things that sort of um, Kevin Rudd was saying that, yeah, it's it's a bit we're all sort of walking on eggshells at the moment. It feels like we're on tenor hooks. I think what's needed is calm diplomacy. Ah, oh, that's um, very last decade, Jan. Yeah, it is. We haven't really been very good at at doing like we. You know, we, we called, we led a calls for an investigation into the origins of coronavirus, which, yes, yes, I think everyone wants to know the origins of the coronavirus. But we were sort of chatting to, when we were chatting to Rudd on the podcast, he was like, yeah, you'd get a bunch more people in your corner before you went out and made that claim mm. sort of thing. Mm. You know, you'd get a couple of people on board because it's much harder to point the finger at 10 countries when they're in alliance than it is to point the finger at one, which is what China did. Which and sounds like, absolutely spot on, although I will note Kevin Rudd's not amazingly good at getting people yeah. in his corner. 
historically <laughs> speaking. Um, I'm keen to listen to that, Jan. Anyone coming up in the next week or two you want to plug? Well, we're doing a show on climate change this our week. That's our issue of the week on Jan Fran Has Issues. The issue is climate change. Um, we're getting a few people locked in, but I reckon it's got to be one of the independents, you know, because they're looking to just... To, to fuck some shit up in the lower house, mm. mainly around climate and integrity stuff. I wish that was on their posters. You know, Allegra Spender wants to fuck shit, shit up, up in the lower house. <laughs> yeah, that would be a big I vote think- winner. We've got Zoe Daniel on our podcast on Wednesday. I'm, I'm looking forward to asking her whether she's going to fuck shit up. We should. <laughs> well, I think you should. I mean, hey, someone wants a campaign manager. Someone wants some slogans. I've got like 10. I can dish them out for free. You don't even have to credit me for it. Just mm. fuck some shit up. Mm. Thanks for joining us, Jan. Pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Jan Fran has issues. It's on the Irrational Fear podcast feed, which you should be subscribed to anyway, frankly, if you like this one. Mm. Our Gears and Road microphones. We're part of the ACAST Creator Network. Catch you next time. Chatswood. Everyone thinks it's a dull, dreary dump. Wrong. Studies show Chatswood is now 83% less dreary than it used to be. With a modern library. Wow. A Westfield that's as big as a Westfield. Gee. And the indulgence of a Ben and Jerry's. Please note Chatswood Ben and Jerry's recently closed down. And best of all, the hot one from The Chaser, Andrew Hansen, is live at Chatswood's Concourse Theatre this Friday, the 6th of May. Oh my God, Andrew Hansen's so hot. Plus Marrickville on May 7 and Brisbane, May 8. Book Andrew Hansen through Ticketek. And remember, Chatswood's less dreary than it used to be. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.